0: opportunities for work within the community and especially if um, we look and see okay where are areas that people are on the margins what what are areas where we can really step into as entrepreneurs and start to create pathways to allow people to become Economically sustainable to allow them to start to thrive in the the way that it means for them to thrive? And how can we start to create pathways? And a lot of that is through hiring and opening up job opportunities for people from those communities.
1: Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Shalane, and we're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite sized ways. Today I have Stu Minchu the CFO of South Inc. He's also the co-owner of Livingstone Solutions, where he uses a simple, faith-focused approach to innovation to help organizations design better ministries, products, services, and business models. He has a background in international community development and as an entrepreneur. Stu lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee with his wife, two boys, and their golden retriever. Stu, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to our podcast.
0: It's my pleasure and happy to be here.
1: That's great. We are starting our conversations this season with the question, what does it mean to thrive? So why don't we just start right there?
0: Yeah, I think that's a wonderful question, Shalane. Something that I've really explored a lot over the last couple of years is is how do I thrive best? And I've learned that mm-hmm. for me and, and others that I've been talking with is I thrive when I have greater intimacy with God. And that can sound like a textbook answer. But what I mean by that is kind of letting God love you in the places that you're afraid to admit to others, yourself and to God. It could be, you know, your struggles, your addictions. It could be angers that you have with others, yourself with God, where maybe you've hurt others, where others have hurt you, just things that you fear. And just, you know, knowing that that God is with you in those things and he doesn't love you any less because of those things, it allows Mm -hmm. him to start to heal those broken parts of our lives. And it's hard and it takes time and it takes work, but it frees us in lots of ways. And I've seen it do amazing things in the area of innovation. It frees us to innovate, and the ways that we live our lives, we we walk with God and the ways that we can kind of lean into the kingdom work that's going on around us.
1: Mm. So it's a very deeply personal process that those mm-hmm. beginning places of thriving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is very personal. And and when you're you know, able to take those things before God, those hard things, it allows us to do some incredible healing and allows us to Just be able to, like I said, freeing us to be able to do things that we never anticipated we could do and things that we maybe never dreamed of doing or never thought that we would want to do or be a part of, but lets us just come alongside other people in incredible ways Mm -hmm. and walk with them in this. You know, A lot of times in the same brokenness that we experience and and we can come alongside them and, and love our neighbors well in that and, and knowing that we have these areas of brokenness in our lives and they have areas of brokenness too, but God still loves us and we can come alongside and do incredible things together and continue to, to serve and to love one another well.
1: Mm-hmm. You mentioned doing things you never dreamt of doing. Did you ever dream of doing what you're doing now with particularly with Livingstone Solutions?
0: I never did. It's been a, a long and and incredible and a hard journey to get here and and doing some of these things. You know, I lived overseas for seven years in East Africa, and that's something I never dreamed of doing Mm. growing up or even as I first, after graduating from high school and entering in college. But God opened up some incredible opportunities and allowed me to take steps and and move in directions that I never particularly had a passion for, but kind of opened these doors for me and opened these passions within me. So being able to do that, being able to, after that, work with an organization called the chalmers center who's really focused in doing Mm -hmm. international poverty alleviation and community development and something i never thought i would be a part of and and uh, just being able to to do that and to, to help people all around the world and walk alongside them and see what they're doing and learn from them and even take some of that stuff and, and bring it back to the States and saying how can we walk mm. alongside our neighbors here and low income communities and what does it look like to do community ve- development in a way that glorifies and honors God and uh, how can we learn through our failures and and through things that you know areas were broken um, so that we can just learn and and be part of God's kingdom and continue to be molded into new creations.
1: Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, you've developed as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, oh, tell me a little bit about that journey because yeah. how, how do they blend? How do those <laughs> fit together?
0: Yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, that's an interesting part as well. So I originally went over to um, Kenya to do ministry um, with a ministry focus and, and doing kind of camp and youth ministry ended up doing working with team and leaders to help develop them. And that ended up creating the opportunity to create a company um, around doing team and leadership development. So that was my first venture, is kind of stumbling into entrepreneurship, not not going with this vision in mind, but seeing an opportunity in a way to be able to, to minister to people through doing business and through doing team and leadership development. And then just fell in love with that, fell in love with the intricacies of business and how it works. And, uh, you know, ended up coming back to the States for a little while and, and continuing my entrepreneurship journey and then moving back to Kenya and starting another business. And, you know, I've really realized there's a lot of interesting ways that community development and business overlap and, and can overlap mm-hmm. and just catching a vision for that. And that's what led to the start of Livingstone Solutions with my Patrick partner is just saying, how can we take some of these innovative things that we've learned and empower nonprofits, but also for-profit corporations to innovate and how they love their neighbors.
1: Hmm. Stu, I think you probably know that at Food for the Hungry, we are very excited about how entrepreneurs are uniquely positioned to address issues of poverty, really in all aspects of the ecosystems that that Hmm. businesses work with. And I understand that you have a particular passion for how hiring practices can help say, marginalized people groups. Mm -hmm. Do you want to speak to that a little bit?
0: Yeah, I think it can be a really powerful tool, like you said, that entrepreneurs and businesses have within the communities to create opportunities for work within the community. And especially if we look and see, okay, where are areas that people are on the margins. What, what are areas where we can really step into as entrepreneurs and start to create pathways to allow people to become economically sustainable, to allow them to start to thrive in the, in the way that it means for them to thrive? And how can we start to create pathways? And a lot of that is through hiring and opening up job opportunities for people from those communities. So really thinking about how do I hire and what does that look like as an entrepreneur and how can I be intentional about engaging people from marginalized communities, from low-income communities? And so it may mean that I have to change some of my hiring practices. It may mean I have Mm. to look at people who, you know, may have a background that says other companies might not be willing to hire them because of that. So maybe they've been incarcerated at some point. Mm. Maybe they've, you know, you know, done something else that that may show up and and being able to say, okay, well, I'm going to give this person a chance to be and give them some dignity and to be able to come and join my workforce and be able to intentionally, you know, look at those types of communities and say, hey, how can I pay create pathways for them to start to thrive economically and start to give Opportunities for them to build equity and start to create mm-hmm. you know, equity for themselves, but also for their families and start to create a, a legacy that may be able to, to pull them out of poverty or um, a low-income situation.
1: Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. I, I have a background in career coaching. Mm-hmm. And so I've spent, I spent many years helping people with their resumes and Oftentimes that's a huge block for people Mm -hmm. because they don't have the work experience or they don't have a a track record of steady employment. And so they don't even make a short list. I'm curious if you have a story that you can share, like a practical example. I'm just imagining as a listener thinking, what does that actually really look like? How does that really work?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of the great things and one of the reasons that I joined Utila South Inc. is because we have the opportunity to hire people from minority communities and from marginalized communities. and it's going to look different for every business but for ours we're able to so we install fiber optic cable and so the people who come Mm -hmm. and work for us they don't have to have college education and they don't have to have any previous experience so we can we can hire them on and do all of the -the on-the-job training and within you know a few weeks they're earning a pretty sizable income for someone without a college degree Um, And so Mm -hmm. that gives us an incredible opportunity. And so, you know, we have people from various backgrounds who are part of our company and we're small um, and it's sometimes hard to navigate and hard to figure out what's the best way to to hire these people on and, and bring them into the workforce and treat them with dignity and respect and, and figuring out what that looks like and also be able to offer them benefits. So that becomes a mm. challenge too, but we've you know started to do the work as, as what does it look like to create good jobs for people who are from marginalized communities. And so we're trying to do that well. Um, so we, you know, intentionally hire people from those communities, we bring them in, try to pay them a decent wage, try to offer them good benefits so it can allow them and their families to thrive. And so, mm. so yeah, so looking at those types of things, how do you intentionally hire from those communities? As you bring them on, what, what can you pay them um, so that they can provide and support their mm-hmm. families? Um, what types of benefits are going to be helpful for them so that, you know, they don't go through a tragic event and that puts them back into poverty. Um, So really thinking through things like that. So how are you going to allow them to not just hire from those communities, but then be able to thrive when they're part of your business, when they're part of your team, part of your staff? Um, What does that look like? And and how can you create that kind of community, that kind of culture, that kind of atmosphere within your business? So really thinking through the whole process, not just the hiring process, Mm -hmm. but what does it look like for them to thrive once they are a part of your company? And like I said, that may look different from... From sure. business to business, but really thinking through those things and what it will look like for the to create that kind of culture for those employees.
1: Mm-hmm. And I recognize that's one aspect of the entrepreneurial experience where you can have an impact. Mm-hmm. Another place that I think um, comes to mind that there's room for significant impact is supply chain mm-hmm. relationships, so how do you see those relationships as a key place for influence and change?
0: Yes, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. That's one thing I'm really passionate about is how do you, okay. how do you create innovative solutions throughout the whole supply chain? And like you said, that mm-hmm. those employees, those are just one part of that supply chain. Well, then you look at other parts of that. Who, who are the people that you're buying your goods and services from? And how can you be intentional with those choices as well? How can you look at communities that are owned by people from those minority communities. You know, look and, and make sure to, to use those businesses as, you know, your supplier of goods, your supplier of services, and be willing. And sometimes it may mean that maybe you have to pay a little bit more. And that's sometimes a hard mm-hmm. decision you have to make. Um, but mm-hmm. am I willing to support this person who has comes from a minority community who's trying to be an influencer? in this community that I'm a part of, and how can I support them and lift them up? And so, you know, making those decisions, who are you going to buy from, who are are going to be your suppliers and being intentional about those decisions um, and seeing what kinds of companies do I want to do business with? Are they businesses that have the same type of vision that I do, who are looking to hire from these minority communities as well, these low income communities and trying to make a difference in that way? Well, if so, that's great. That's a great partnership for my business to have. And then even looking at how do you go out there and what communities do you serve as a business? If you're a business that's going to provide value to people's lives, how can you create that in different ways? Um, And sometimes you have to be creative with that. And, you know, I, I deal with this a lot when I'm working with innovation, especially within nonprofits. One of the struggles that they have is sustainability but they wanna try to tackle the problem of how can we create value for not just people who have means and resources, but for individuals or other organizations who don't have the means and resources to always gain access to the types of things that they're offering. And so sometimes we'll look at a business model that creates tier pricing based on what kind of resources that individual Mm or that business has. And so, you know, maybe if you're going out there to an established company um, that does have means, they'll be able to pay for one level of service. And maybe they'll mm-hmm. get some extra things, but also how can we create sometimes a free or a very low cost offering that can still create value for the individual or the, the organization who doesn't have the means that maybe a more established company might have. And so being able to look at that, so even the people you serve, how can you be able to meet their needs as well, even if you're you know looking at customers and different income brackets and different communities. So throughout the supply chain, being able to ask some of these hard questions of how can we serve? people who are aligned with us, who have similar values, um, who we want to come alongside and support and help out.
1: Mm -hmm. You've mentioned innovation a couple of times. I would love for you to just give me sort of your philosophy of innovation. (laughs) How does innovation impact you on a daily basis in terms of your entrepreneurial journey, in terms of, really looking at how poverty can be addressed. What what role does innovation play in all of that?
0: Yeah, so I think innovation is just looking at what are new and sustainable ways that we can do things more effectively than we have in the past. And so it could be small innovations of hey, I have this one process within my business, you know, and I've been able to find a new and more efficient way to do it that allows us to either we either had to pay less money for it or use less time and, and resources and energy to accomplish it, all the way up to, okay, what's an incredible new business um, that I can come up mm-hmm. with, or a new ministry to be able to serve my community? And so it can be anywhere along that spectrum is this, you know, what's something new that's allowing you to do something in a more effective way? And, and you know, I've seen this all across the world, especially around the community development and poverty alleviation world is how can we, you know, especially equip communities around the world to be able to start to think about, okay, what are, what are some new things that I could do? How can I implement some new ways of thinking into you know, either my everyday process? Um, as I go out there and I see a problem, how can I say, hey, God has made me to be creative? Mm-hmm. He's given me incredible skills and abilities. I've been created as an image bearer. And so I can go out and be creative just as God is creative. And and so I can create new ways. And so especially my work at Chalmers, seeing some churches in East Africa do some really amazing things and implementing. Uh, new ways of thinking and creative, innovating ideas for them to be able to go out to serve their communities and love their communities. Um, And being able to see that not just there, but like I said, around the world and here in the US, seeing churches and ministries and companies being able to go out there and say, okay, where is there a, a problem that needs to be addressed in my community and how can I bring my experiences Uh, My way of thinking and not only just me, but how can I then reach out into the community and make sure that it's a problem that they're experiencing and walk alongside them and say, how can we partner in this together to come up with a solution that can Mm -hmm. be sustainable and that can serve the community well?
1: For our listeners, if you have questions that are coming to mind as I'm chatting here with Stu, please reach out to us at podcast at fhcanada.org with your questions so that we can carry on the conversation. Stu, um, you've mentioned Chalmers Centre a couple of times, and we share a mutual um, admiration for the work of Chalmers and also relationship with Chalmers. We offer something called the Ending Poverty Together Workshop, and the majority of content that we use in that workshop is from the Chalmers Centre. And we have a connection with them in working with Canadian churches. We are their representatives, actually, here in Canada. So I would love for you to just help our listeners understand a little bit more about what the Chalmers Centre is and how... Practically speaking, Chalmers can, the, their materials can actually benefit Canadians and Americans. Yeah,
0: well, it's, it's definitely an organization that that I love and is very near and dear to me. I, de- I worked there for five years and now my wife works there. So I'm a, I'm a big mm. proponent of the Chalmers Center. So Chalmers Center equips churches and church, what they call church equipping organizations. So nonprofits, faith-based nonprofits to go out there and to love their neighbors to serve, especially low-income individuals. So essentially teaching them how to do community development, economic development well. So taking some Mm -hmm. of the best practices, Chalmers Center Mm -hmm. has connected with the um, community development major at Covenant College, and so have learned Mm -hmm. a lot of the best practices through research, through the research of others. And so leveraging that information to go and then train churches, um, nonprofits on how can they go out in their communities and love the low-income people um, in their communities well. And so they mm-hmm. do it through a wide variety of programs. In the U.S. and Canada, they have a program called Faith and Finances that teaches mm-hmm. people from low-income communities how to better manage their finances and, and create equity for themselves and their family. And they have a program called Work Life that helps churches and communities do job preparedness programs to help people in their communities get and maintain a job. Internationally, they've uh, been involved in a lot of savings um, groups programs um, Mm. and partnered with other organizations like Hope International and Tier Fund and people like that to train churches how to lead savings groups Um, within their communities. And so that's an unofficial bank um, where members of their community who may not have access to a traditional bank or if a traditional bank has high interest rates that are just unaffordable for them, um, they're able to create a, a makeshift bank within their community that allows them to give loans in case they have a medical emergency, in case they want to start a business, and again, able to build equity for them and their families as well. So doing a lot of training um, and mm-hmm. empowering other organizations to go out there and, and do community development work.
1: Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We we are having conversations around Food for the Hungry quite often about how churches are actually made up of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. <laughs> business owners. And the church sometimes I uh, think doesn't necessarily know how to interact with entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and with business owners within their own congregation. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? What what kind of relational connection there, there could be there? How can entrepreneurs work with churches and... Um, move forward in, in addressing some of these bigger issues. Yeah,
0: and I think this tends to be an issue within a lot of churches. We We tend to have this kind of you know, the secular and sacred divide in a mm-hmm. lot of churches of, you know, there's sacred work of the church and ministries and there's secular work, you know, people out there, you know, running businesses. Um, but that division is not throughout the Bible. All of the work that we do is is ministry, whatever that looks like, whether you're serving in a church, whether you're serving in, in a business. And so I think first of all, having that view of everything that I do is glorifying to God. It doesn't matter if I'm a minister or a CEO, an entrepreneur, you know, an accountant, um, whatever that may be, we can do our work to glorify God. And so, you know, really taking that view and especially helping pastors to see that, how they can encourage business people within their churches to how can you leverage the work that you're doing to you know serve the communities maybe if your particular passion is poverty and low-income individuals how can you start to bend the work that you're doing towards serving people from those communities and and what does that look like and, and really equipping people with the tools they need to think about that and go out there and, and, and like we talked about before, being innovative in ways that they mm-hmm. can use their job and their skills to go out there and to serve people and to love their neighbors well. So, yeah, I think kind of having those conversations can be really helpful. Of, you know, ministry is not just done within the, the four walls of the church or within the ministries that the church is doing, but it's been done throughout the community, throughout the city, through businesses as well. And so how can we equip the people who are going out there and, and doing that kind of work, you know, the other six days of the week? How can we equip them um, mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. love and serve their communities through that work that they're doing?
1: Mm-hmm. Stu, what are some practical tools or ideas that you have to offer business leaders just in being able to move toward that greater sustainability and greater social impact?
0: I think there's resources that, that you can leverage. There's a, a book that came out of the Chalmers Center a few, a few years ago, Ah. I'm trying to remember the name. Practicing the King's Economy is a, is a great resource. Yes. Um, right. um, just what does it look like for you as a business person to use the skills and experience that you have to go out there and to love your community well? Um, so it's mm-hmm. got a couple of chapters in there that are especially one on on work and one on equity that are really impactful and have a lot of great mm-hmm. just suggestions and ways that, that you can do that well. But yeah, I think, you know, spending time asking yourself some of those questions is, what does it look like? You know, where where do I see opportunities, problems in my community? And then what are those opportunities where I can step in and use my skills, use my experience mm-hmm. to lean into the, the work that God is already doing there? So yeah, I think spending some time, really having an understanding of that. It's great to go and get some training, training from places like the Chalmers Center. A lot mm-hmm. of times we can... You know, we, we want to go in there we want to do a good job, but sometimes we don't always have the tools and resources are when we get in there, we realize that it's a lot more complicated. It's a lot harder than we initially mm-hmm. thought. And so leaning on some of the resources that people like the Chalmers Center, our organizations like the Chalmers Center have created to help you ask the right questions and kind of take the right posture as you're stepping into those situations, stepping into those communities mm-hmm. and saying, I'm not here with all the answers. I'm not perfect. I've got brokenness. I make mistakes. I need to come alongside and engage the people that I'm here beside and really learn from them and coming in with that sort of posture. And that takes you know, humility, but it also takes learning from people who've gone through and done that before and have seen what works and what doesn't work to really learn how can I be most effective in stepping into this? How can I create a mindset that allows me to come in with a very much a learning posture? Not that I don't mm. have experience and knowledge that I can bring in, but I need to come with a humble spirit and be willing to learn from the experience Um, of people who've been here for generations, who've come along before, Mm -hmm. who've maybe even seen other people come in with similar ideas. And so maybe we need to look at it from a different angle, a different way, um, and think about uh, possible new solutions to some of the problems that we see around us.
1: Hmm. I would echo your affirmation of the Practicing the King's Economy course. My husband and I took a group of people through that. Mm-hmm. And what I think is really beautiful about that is there was individual impact mm-hmm. as people considered the principles and considered how this could apply to their unique business situations. But there was a a community impact as we studied and learned together. Mm-hmm. And just that opportunity. So I would encourage people to consider who might be some other entrepreneurs that you have in your world that you could pull together a small group. And and then I would really encourage you to make sure you have a potluck <laughs> before you uh, do the study. Yes. That was one of the highlights. because, <laughs> And that's a big theme in the book is, uh, in the resource, is um, that God's kingdom God's economy needs to be set up like a potluck mm-hmm. not like a soup line yes so that's the teaser for people who are are, are interested. <laughs> mm-hmm. One other question I want to ask you our time is quickly coming to a close here do you have a consulting practice that helps nonprofits consider innovation and entrepreneurship? I'm curious, what does that look like? How do you actually work with
0: nonprofits? So typically we come in when they've identified a problem they have. And so, you know, we've seen a lot of that over the last couple of years when the pandemic hit. Some of the things that they normally did were no longer working. Um, And so usually they have a problem and, and engage us to think, okay, how can we think about a solution to this problem? We know something needs to change. We don't know exactly what that is or how that needs to look. And so they usually bring us in to help discover that. And so a lot of it is, is not necessarily us bringing in our ideas. You know, we may have some suggestions, but really digging into that problem, having conversations with people in the communities that they're serving and figuring out, okay, what are some ideas that we can start to test and see if we have a sustainable solution. And so usually it comes in, and, and like I said, you know, looking at that problem, having lots of conversations with people in their community, coming up with what we call prototypes, a few ideas that we wanna go out there and test, and then doing some small tests to see, is there something here? If not, okay, maybe we need to go back and we need to tweak some things and try it again. If it does look like this is a promising solution, can we start to scale it? And so we've seen that from just, you know, ministries that are wanting to go out there and and serve in a sustainable way. We've seen it from, you know, nonprofits who are figuring out ways to generate more income and what that could look like for their ministry. We've seen it as businesses you know, who want to create a new product or service. So a lot of different opportunities out there to step in and kind of identify a problem and uh, use kind of an innovation practice to develop a new ministry, you know, a new source of income, a new product or service.
1: Great. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with me today, Stu. Is there anything that you were hoping I was going to ask you that you would like to share as we wrap up? The
0: only thing I would, I would say is if you're you know, interested in learning more, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you can find me on our um, Livingstone Solutions website. It's just livingstones.solutions. So you can find us there if you want to find out more about the work that I do at Utila South. It's just utilisouth.com. But yeah, if you want to learn more or you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on both of those um, places yeah. where I can be found.
1: Well, there you go. You answered my last question. <laughs> where can listeners find you? So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. And I wish you all the best in all of your ventures. Appreciate all the work that you're doing.
0: Well, it was my pleasure. I, I appreciate the opportunity.
1: To explore what your next steps could be, or find out more about Living Stone Solutions and what other Canadians are doing about poverty, start by checking out fhcanada.org slash resources.